The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, Episode 41. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Berizzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Hi, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today, we are discussing the 21st episode of Season 2, 1969. You want to give us a rundown on this groovy episode, Victor? In, indeed, I do. And uh, groovy, I believe, is the word. Um, so SG-1 gets their first real six string. They bought it over at the five and dime. And Hammond <laughs> waited until Carter's fingers bled to send them back to the summer of 69. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably the longest setup for, for Brian Adams. Uh, I, I don't think Brian Adams set up his song, uh, songs that long. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> strap in because it... <laughs> It gets longer. Here. <laughs> Anyhow, before leaving on a routine trip through the Stargate, General Hammond gives Carter a note and tells her to read it once she's arrived at her destination. Unbeknownst to SG-1, their destination is underneath a Titan missile. Shilk deactivates with a Zat blast right before SG-1 is captured and questioned by Air Force guards in 1969. Believing SG-1 to be Soviet spies, the Air Force sends SG-1 away uh, by truck to be imprisoned and interrogated, but they're set free by Lieutenant George Hammond, who has found the note his future self gave to Carter. The note tells Lieutenant Hammond to help them and contains two dates in the near future, which is in 1969. Deducing that the 1969 version of Catherine Langford, whose father discovered the Stargate in 1928, is the only one who can help them, the team moves it right along to New York in the Electric Mayhem's van, driven by the two cleanest hippies ever to be on their way to Woodstock (laughs) in all of 1969. Playing on Carter's hunch that a solar flare could have altered the trajectory of the gate with the extra gra- gra- uh, gravity slingshotting them around the sun, uh, Star Trek four style, into the past, Jack and Teal'c head to the observatory to confirm that the first date on the note is indeed the date of a solar flare, or at least it was back in 1969. Daniel readies his most atrocious German accent, and he and Sam head to Catherine Langford's house and learn that the Stargate can presently be found in a Washington, D.C. warehouse, this being... 1969. SG-1 reunites and uses truck power to activate the Stargate, escaping moments before being shot by armed guards. They leave too soon, however, and leave 1969 only to arrive at the SGC sometime, looks like maybe 2039, where Cassandra greets them and uses a DHD bangle to activate the Stargate, sending them back to 1999. At the end, General Hammond reveals that he's the one who had asked Carter to research the dates of the solar flares, uh, which occurred in 1969 and waited until she cut her hand, and that cut got really infected before giving her the note, uh, thereby ending the adventures of SG-1 back in 1969. There's a lot going on in this episode. It's, it's 
was a long one to recap. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I was just wondering how many times you were going to have to say 1969 in there. <laughs> I was trying to go for 1,969 of them, but it oh, no. came up a little short. <laughs> a little short. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, this is a fun episode. Uh, what were your thoughts on it, Father? Well, this is, this has always been one of my favorites. And, and you know, it, it doesn't really advance plot, although it uh, does bring more interest into, you know, General Hammond's uh, mindset going into running the SGC because he knew what was going to happen eventually. Um, mm -hmm. So there, there, there is that. But um, no, this has always been a favorite of mine. It's just it's just a fun, silly, ridiculous episode. That's just great. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Lisa? I agree with all the above. I always agree with Father Corey. I agree <laughs> with all the above. <laughs> that, uh, but my absolute favorite part of this episode is Lieutenant Hammond. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. That little surprise of that. And the actor just nailed it. I mean, the mannerisms, the voice, all of it. I loved it. So, no, fun, fun episode. It's always a good one to rewatch. Yeah, that guy, uh, the actor, uh, he really like what he got the like the the cadence of his voice down um what mm -hmm. i thought was really funny though is that he looks exactly like one of my uncles like spitting <laughs> in <laughs> so that, that was funny i thought you were gonna say uh, i thought you were gonna say jeffrey jones the principal from ferris bueller's say off but maybe not quite. Not, maybe. <laughs> i was the only one who saw that yeah a little bit yeah what are your <laughs> thoughts on this episode victor no, I, I agree with with Father Corey um, and Lisa. It's a very good episode just to put on when you just want to watch some Stargate, but don't want to have to try and figure out, like, is Apophis alive and or dead at this point? You know, which ghoul are they fighting now or anything like that? You could just put this on and it doesn't matter where you come into the to the series. It's just a, a really fun episode. There's there's some good lines, but they don't overload it, you know, to the point where it gets annoying. One thing I also appreciated, they don't have them run into any historical figures mm -hmm. of the period, you know, aside from like the headline uh, on the newspaper, that's really the only, you know, and the shout out to Woodstock and the, and the Vietnam war, that's pretty much the only, you know, thing, but you know, so I, I appreciate that about it too. And it's just, it's a very fun episode and everybody should go watch it. Yeah, definitely. I could, I could see them taking the tempting bait of trying to tie the SG one team into like the moon landing or something like that, but it's nice. Yeah. That, that yeah. <laughs> I like that they keep the stakes are just how do we get back? And a lot of the jokes are just kind of fish out of water gags or visual gags. But mm -hmm. even then, it doesn't like go. It does not go over the top with any of that, which I appreciated when they're uh, when they're flagging down the cars. I like Teal's method. <laughs> very direct. <laughs> yeah. This method is ineffective. Well, I, 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 yes. First, they start with the uh, you got to get the cute girl to do it first. And that actually doesn't work. It kind of blows up the face. And I'm actually kind of surprised Sam didn't say something. You know, kind of like, wait a second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, that would have been a perfect time, too, for like, you know, show a little leg. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Bugs Bunny, uh, yeah. Bugs, right. Bugs Bunny pulls up his fur and there's like a Tex Avery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I do like them um, before that, though, uh, when they get taken. Um, when they're underneath the, the missile and they get taken by the Air Force uh, airmen from the 60s, mm -hmm. we get uh, Daniel Jackson uh, just completely missing everything up when they ask them in Russian if they're Soviet yeah. spies. And he replies, yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was good. I like that. 
Yeah. But she also had we that should... like Indiana Jones moment where they're all trying to stop the missile, stop the missile until it just looks up with a zat and he's like, duh, just shoot it. Yeah. Well, yeah. then it, you know? yeah. <laughs> then it turns out it's a training missile anyways. It was a dummy. Yeah. Mm. Because I, I was going to say like the top of Cheyenne Mountain doesn't like flip open Thunderbird style. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> well, in the. <laughs> like Come shoot on. missiles. The, the major even said, "Like, are you you're serious? We're going to launch a missile from the 28th story underneath Cheyenne Mountain?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we also get uh, speaking of the Zat gun, probably our funniest bit of Zat humor in the uh, in the whole series when the the major is asking Jack, "Like, what was that weapon?" and and Jack is like, uh, "It's hard to say." And he's like, "Oh, yeah. so he won't tell me." He's like, "No, it's just difficult to pronounce," yeah. which yeah. is a callback to when Teal. First introduced the uh, Zat Nictel uh, weapon to them, and and uh, Jack decided just to call it a Zat gun at that point. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, it's like we get our uh, name drops of a uh, James T. Kirk and Luke Skywalker yep. in that scene. That yeah. was fun. <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, someone. Yeah. Someone on the internet says so. If so, Star Wars came out what almost eight eight, eight yep. years later. So yeah. were those yeah. were those uh, officers, or were they were they when it comes out, it's Luke Skywalker. Like, oh wait, wait, do we need him? What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. They, they did have O'Neill's dog tags guy? that do have his name and rank on it. I'm so, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, just a coincidence. And, and the fact that he was trying to pass himself off as James T. Kirk in the third season of the original Star Trek yeah. series, which which had been one of the like breakout hits on on. TV in 66, 67, and 68. Yep. I don't think anyone wants to be a third season original series character, though. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say it's not the last Star Trek uh, call out we'll get on the the show. Nice. Um, We get introduced mm -hmm. to... uh, the hippie couple who's driving the their big uh, groovy bus, um, Michael Clark and Jennifer Clark. Uh, mm-hmm. I like how, I just like how um, they kind of just feel, they're very much like your stereotypical hippies, but it's fun to see. I like that whole thing. And I like how they keep trying to engage them in conversation and they just cannot stay on track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously her and Carter got along very, very well. You know, they were hugging and everything yeah. and, but yeah, she was very, very uh, stoner esque. Mm-hmm. The only only thing I I don't like, I wish they would have done, is that they would have done a you know. Now we're back at current time, nineteen ninety nine. Where are they at? Oh, to look them up. Yeah, yeah. Because that would have been cool. Like at the end of Saving Private Ryan, when they got everybody's tombstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I assume Michael actually went into the war, and who knows if he made it back. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. All right, the war yeah, with Canada yeah. was one of the yeah. best. Yeah, ones the war ever. with Canada. <laughs> I do think that, like, so Michael does a talk about a uh, Teal's uh, symbol on his forehead, and I kind of feel like they missed an opportunity there to do a bit more, a bit more humor with that. Mm-hmm. Like he just kind of covers it with a bandana, and you don't really see any. See well, Teal does, like you know, somebody he asks him about it, and it's like, don't talk about this any further. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, what's that symbolize? Peace. Yeah. yeah. No, slavery, slavery to false gods. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's it made of? Don't talk about it this anymore. Yeah. And Tilt got, Tilt got hair. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, and this is 1999. So I guess you could have a Caucasian actor running around with a, a hat that said our roots on the side and was red. Black yeah. and green. <laughs> Which I don't really know that that was from the sixties. It looked more like, <laughs> like 1996, like uh-huh. in living color or something, but I don't know. Yeah. This could have been, you know, Malcolm X and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. Still, that was it just funny. looked like the Keith Haring design or something. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Everybody else is wearing like you know stereotypical like nineteen sixties you know sixty nine vintage clothes, but <laughs> Jack Jack has yeah, his yeah, like, like biker like a, jacket. I don't know if he's going for like kind of like a like a Black Panther look or something because he got like yeah. a biker jacket and the boots on and then the the hat <laughs> like motorcycle gang. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, they managed to convince uh, Michael and Jenny that they're aliens. Yep. Oh yeah, which, yeah. which I don't know how that's better than time travelers, but it, it didn't seem to take much, though. You yeah, know, just just telling them that right. they're from I mean, a, a galaxy far, far away helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. You know, speaking of speaking of clothes, stuff. speaking of clothes, though, um, one thing I kind of appreciate, of course, having served in the Air Force, is they had the Air Force tans. Um, for a long time, of course, the Air Force is was a uh, branch of the Army before they broke away, and so they kept things like brown or tan uniforms up until actually shortly after this. It wasn't until like actually up until the eighties that they still had you know tan uniforms as an option. Of course, now it's blues or camels. But um, actually, the M sixteen should have twenty round magazines in in them instead of thirty <laughs> round magazines. Oh, but but this is the M sixteen straight. It is not the A one because the A one did not come out until nineteen sixty nine. Yes, I looked that Just up. To go over some of the more nitpicky uh, concerns on the goofs and continuity errors <laughs> page on IMDb. Yeah, God, I love the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely a subset who will go through and like do measurements on different items just to see how accurate they are. <laughs> oh, I saw somebody complaining about like the print. I think it was on Carter's skirt. Wasn't quite accurate for 1969. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh no. What did, what did, what did that site have to say about Jack's hat? Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see that. <laughs> I guess they were cool with it. I don't know. That's, that's the real Stargate cover up there. I, I admit it. I was, one thing I was looking for though, is to see, you know, if there are any, post 1969 cars i didn't see any i mean i didn't look super close but i love jack's <laughs> comment about that yeah they really screwed up the corvette when they went that one as is you know beautiful stingray goes flying by yeah yeah i i did i yeah. did rewatch the uh the musical montage which i kind of unironically love the generic 1969 like music that they have in there that sounds like this weird blend between like kansas or, or fleetwood mac or steely dan or something it's just very light you know and um, while they're driving down the highway, they do have 1969 cars, but you can tell that all of the cars going in their direction and the other direction are all like perfectly framed in the shot while they're in the shot. And then the rest of the road is just completely mm-hmm. empty because I guess they had seven cars from the 60s, but they didn't have any more than that. So <laughs> all they could fit in the budget. <laughs> nice. Where's that bus? You want to know, did they, did they rent it? Did they paint it themselves? Like, where do you pick up a bus like that? The electric man. Yeah. And the Muppet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Teeth. <laughs> I mean, I imagine that that's probably one of those things you can get from like one of those prop places where you have like hippie yeah. bus that you can rent out for your 
show for the generic day. hippie bus or generic bus of the time, and then use like water soluble paint on it so that you just wash it off and yeah. whatever you or decal. Of course, nowadays they'd use like vinyl wrap, but yeah, kind of reminded me of Cadillac Ranch it. out in Amarillo, yeah. Amarillo, Texas. You know where you can go and everyone. Have y'all been there? They have these Cadillacs that are sticking straight up out of the mm. ground, and you can I've go seen and that. spray paint yeah. them. Like everyone just comes oh, really? with spray paints and there's, oh, you just gag with all the spray paint in the air, but yeah. it's super cool. I mean, it's weird as you know, what, <laughs> it's super cool. I mean, some rich guy decided to put Cadillacs in the ground, but that's what it reminded me of. With all of the <laughs> crazy spray paint. <laughs> I was, I was actually thinking about the Georgia Guidestones. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. My, my folks actually went to, went to visit that once when they were down in Texas, ironically, when they came down to my Air Force graduation. They drove down and they yeah. went by it by that. And they said it was pretty, pretty strange, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It is. His, right. It is on historic route 66. Yep. So there you go. Maybe and that's, that's one thing is kind of a, a road geek as someone who, who likes, you know, roads in the history of, of our highways and everything. They were ac- the highway map that they showed seemed fairly accurate for 1969. Now I, I had to laugh though, because they are leaving St. Louis. If you've driven between St. Louis and Chicago, you know one thing you don't see is a British Columbia-style forest. It's flat. <laughs> yeah. It's boring. Yeah. There are no trees. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, the sign said, what, you're about to hit Albuquerque? Yeah. When they broke down. And I've driven through Albuquerque many, many times. There's no Vancouver-style forest there either. No. <laughs> <laughs> and. And in New York, you're unlikely to see the Gordon McMillan Southam Observatory, which is a uh, Vancouver landmark yep. either. But, <laughs> but, but at least you could just walk in. You just walk in and That's, start using yeah, it. Yeah. No one's going to say anything. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> I don't know. My, my parents were young adults in the, in the late 60s, and they tell me all kinds of stories my dad does about stuff you could just get. Like, you just, I, well, I'm not going to tell any stories. Oh. Or get him yeah. in trouble now, right? But. <laughs> But you can, you, know, like you can get that stuff again now. Shoot it's off rockets most states. and stuff, and they oh, would okay. just call up the local chemical people and be like, hey, we need this. And they're like, okay, come get it. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's just weird. So. <laughs> Maybe they yeah. just left things unlocked in 1961. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, my dad was just starting to get in computers, into computers then and or sent away from an ad in a magazine or something for, you know, missile guidance computer. And what it was, was it was like the kind of, you know, the lock on guidance for a guided missile, you know, 1960s mm. edition. And it was just the, the guidance section. And so he ordered that up and and it came and he was, you know, fiddling around with it. And then uh, he got contacted by the FBI saying, yeah, we're really going to need that back. You shouldn't have that. <laughs> and so and so he had he had to turn his, his first computer over to them. And, and in, in return, I guess he got a he got an award saying, you know, thank you for your service to the United States government, et cetera. Oh, my gosh. But uh, and whoever, yeah, so you, you could get a lot of cool things in the city. Whoever sent it to you is now under Fort Leavenworth. <laughs> right. Yeah. You and the other like like 80 or 100 people who got these uh, <laughs> missile guidance systems in the mail. Funny. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice they uh, you don't really get any scenes of them like in town or like around other things. The majority of it is on the bus, and then we see the military uh, storage facility at the end, and then we see mm-hmm. uh, like they're they're camping out in the woods. But I guess they didn't have, really have the budget to kind of give you like a full like nineteen sixties like downtown kind of like in Back to the Future or something like that. Well, they, they used what it was clearly you know 
pre-shot, you know, stock footage of the cities. You know, you'd see St. Louis and you'd see the arch. You'd see Chicago. You'd see the Sears Tower. Actually, if they had the Sears Tower, that would have been an oops. Because the Sears Tower yeah. didn't yeah, exist in 69. Yeah. People on the internet yep. complained about that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. but, uh, nice. We could have gotten like some cool phone call, though. It's like, yeah, Jimmy, this is your cousin, <laughs> Jerry Hendricks. You know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen yeah. to that. <laughs> but we didn't, we I, didn't I think it's that, been done but, before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we did get uh, Glennis Davies as... Um, as Catherine Lang- Langford mm-hmm. kind of bridging the gap between like young Catherine in 1940s or, you know, the twenties, 28 in the movie, and then old Catherine Langford. And she does a really good job. She, uh, not her only Stargate appearance. She plays Eli's mom on Stargate mm. universe. So the oh. one with HIV that Eli's trying to, you know, take care of before he gets blasted off to, uh, mm. um, to destiny. But, but yeah, so she does a really good job, uh, and she would have to playing against Michael Shanks, as I said, his atrocious <laughs> German accent. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dein Vater has ways right, of right. making you. Talk. Yeah, could have said Vader, Link. right? Vader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give us another Star Wars callback, Vader. But and and we get the uh, the the uh, best Dan moment. It's like like how are we going to pass ourselves off as foreign nationals? It's like well, I know twenty three languages. Pick <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and then okay. he doesn't even use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, I guess. Yeah, it's like, is yeah. he one of those people who says he knows twenty three languages because he knows like <laughs> two words in a bunch of different languages? Like, thank you, yeah. and <laughs> like, where's the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> help, help! I'm an American. Yeah. <laughs> Do you speak English? <laughs> right, I know that yeah. in lots of languages, <laughs> or even uh, ancient Greek. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and Alex Zahara, the first of his mm-hmm. like many Stargate appearances, uh, I think this is either his first it's, or his second, but we'll see him. He was in Spirits. He was one of the aliens. And he was like the, the, was the right. aliens that wanted to blast oh, people right. in Spirits. Oh, the, yeah, with, with the weird fishy yep. face things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, he's usually under makeup, but yeah, this but is a rare chance to see him. Only, mm-hmm. I mean, is this our only chance to see his actual face? I think so. Without, because usually he is a character actor with tons of makeup. I think he, I think so. That's that's what the wiki said that this is his only time that he wasn't in, yeah. in some kind of makeup yeah. or CGI or something. <laughs> trying to see if he was on uh, Atlantis or anything. If he played anybody on, he, on Atlantis, but I want to say yes, but um, I'd have to. Well, I yeah, did not... see that in the top. Uh, they did a it. Uh, what's it called? Twitter did a. Uh, what's your favorite Stargate episode? And this one ranked number 11 Ooh. out of all. Oh, wow. However, 100 and 200, whatever episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. I thought about doing the, you know, let, you know, extensive research of a whole five minutes on DuckDuckGo to, to see where this one ranked. But Lisa beat me to it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say, uh, Joseph Malazzi, the, uh, yeah, he, he, he tweeted it. Nice. It's kind of easy to find. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. This one seems to go up and down. Yeah, I think definitely- earlier it was. Was like it was like number four or something uh, in one ranking, but well, it depends on who was asked and who took mm-hmm. the polls and and when, yeah, and right. what and what, and what time of, period they were the... asked. This was in 2019, mm. so yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, time travel episodes are always fun, especially when they don't try to make them too serious. Because mm-hmm. you can get mm-hmm. those time travel episodes where it 
it doesn't really play with like the fact that you're doing a time travel kind of story. Um, and I always like the ones where they just kind of take it as it is. They don't try to go too deep into how does the, uh, like the time travel actually work. Like I like how they talk about how if you go one way around the sun, you go forward. And yeah. if you go the other way, you go backward in time. That reminded me yeah. of that Calvin and Hobbes strip where uh, yeah. they accidentally go back in time to the time of the dinosaurs. And the reason is because their cardboard box is facing the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was also funny hearing, uh, hearing them go into 1969 and they're saying this is 30 years ago. And it's like, yeah, nah, not yeah. anymore. Yeah. I was thinking about that too, where in in a few years we'll be as far away from yeah, this episode as this episode was oh. from nineteen sixty nine. Thirty years ago, wow. twenty three yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Woo. Making me feel old there, guys. <laughs> of course, maybe uh maybe if they if we Oh, how many of them were supposed to be alive? You realize that? That Jack, I mean, Daniel Jackson said he wasn't alive in 1969. I think, well, Tilk puts him under 30 t- in this. He's yeah. supposed to be under 30. Yeah. Tilk would have been, but neither Sam nor Daniel were. Jack was. Well, Daniel says he was four. Oh, he's four. Oh, he, he did? was four in 1969. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got, I mean, I would think Carter's older than that with older than 30 if she's supposedly a doctor in astrophysics and captain in the military. And like, yeah, that's. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of achievement very quickly. <laughs> I think she's probably and Jack's over there like, yeah, I was an adult in 1969. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Funny how, uh, how time flies like that. Yeah. <laughs> Samantha Carter was born on December 29th, 1968. Okay. So she ah. would be about eight, eight months old. Oh, hmm. They all would have so been alive. 31 years old and she's accomplished yeah. all of that. Yeah, she was a baby genius. They, yeah. they should have gone to like her house, and she could have been like talking, like with the fake mouth, you know, like an old baby <laughs> genius. That's how I would have done it, but I'm glad they didn't probably do that. Yeah. Well, we we know that um interesting. What that Jacob was already in the military. Jacob Carter was in the military because it was in December of '69 when he uh during the uh, what was it um I'm blanking. He had, he was in, over, over, over in, uh, he was over in Vietnam. Nacho Grande. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That was yeah. over Nacho Grande, right? I don't remember, but, also like but he the, says, I'll never, I'll never be over Nacho Grande. <laughs> uh, that's her. Okay. Watching this one with my kids made me, my husband and I kind of turned to each other and we we're like, okay, for us growing up in the seventies and eighties, you know, Vietnam was such a powerful part of our growing up. Because, you know, I mean, it was the most recent war, you know, all this. And uh, but for like my kids being 20 and under, mm-hmm. they just don't have the, it just doesn't mean the same thing to them. So mm-hmm. I kind of wondered about that part of the episode translating to today. Um, I don't know how to explain that. You know, just where we have a powerful connection to yeah. when they talk about I'm, I'm drafted or, you know, that was just such a story from our childhood and and growing up Mm -hmm. about everyone, you know, my parents age, you know, they were of that age who people were drafted and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. Does it, I guess I'll ask Jack, Jack, does it lose anything for you to, I mean, I don't know, just because you don't have that emotional connection, I'm assuming with Vietnam that maybe I do. Right. I mean, 
I definitely, yeah, I definitely don't really have any sort of context for that because I was born a couple decades after all that happened. But I do, I think, I think it's easier for probably people in in my age group to kind of get that in terms of just kind of the hopelessness of being stuck in an unwinnable war. I think that a lot of people feel the, the same way about the way we've done stuff in the Middle East. So I feel like it, similar, not probably not as bad because there's no draft or anything, but I do think that it probably is more of like a generational thing, that whole, that whole part. And I was just going to say, I like how they, they bring it up in context of them being back, back in time then, but it's not heavy handed or anything. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And really interesting moment there where, you know, they're talking about going over to, over to Canada and Jack like looks and says like, look, mm-hmm. and you don't know if he's going to say like, get out while you can or go into the army. It's your duty to right. your country right. soldier. And either way, Sam stops him and says, mm-hmm. this is the decision that they have to make for themselves. And I thought that was really nice, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes me wonder what Jack would have said. Would he, would he have said, yeah, like escape while you can, or, you know, no, you, you owe it to your country and, and your buddies to go and, you know, die in a helicopter crash or whatever, step in a pit with fungi sticks in it yeah. or whatever. Right. But yeah. But yeah. But that's like awesome because, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Oh, good. I was going to say what you were probably going to say, which is I like that they don't, they don't wade into it, mm-hmm. right? They can, yeah. they hit on the topic, but I feel like these days TV shows very much feel like they need to hit you over the head with whatever they yep. whatever they feel is the right answer. Mm-hmm. And this, they just left it. And then we're all allowed to kind of think or figure out or whatever we think Jack would have said. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good example of, you know, for the most part, SG one tends to not wade into, you know, established narratives and, and get really murky with politics um, when it would get in the way of a story, mm-hmm. a good mm-hmm. story. And then that's what they're telling here is a good story. Yeah, definitely. Like you don't, it's not trying to like beat you over the head with the message or just derail everything just to focus on that. I really like that. Like, I like that they, they do comment on like, what is the the morality of us like going around to all these planets and, and causing issues and stuff? And they talk, they tell stories about that kind of issue, but they fit organically within the structure of the show. It doesn't feel like they're trying to mm-hmm. reach at you. Yep. One other interesting thing at the end. Um, so Hammond uh, or Jack takes out of Lieutenant Hammond's wallet an unspecified amount of, of money, which is described <laughs> as some cash. Yeah. And then 30 years later, um, uh, General Hammond asked Jack for uh, $539.50, which is interest. So I looked it up, and the average (laughs) annual rate of inflation uh, in that period was 3.8%. And so assuming 8% interest compounded annually, if Lieutenant Hammond had given Jack $50, that would work out to just over $500 in 1999. <laughs> oh my goodness. Counting uh, inflation and uh, that 8% compound interest. Yeah. So, so that checks out. <laughs> nice. This is why you save early for retirement, folks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't stop contributing too, because if, uh, you know, if, if he had paid just $20 a year into that, you know, it could have been so much more. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you know, as as General Hammond is sitting there waiting for this event to happen, he's biting his tongue, knowing that the interest is accumulating, and Jack has no clue that he owes him more money. 
Yeah, he's like, oh, you're a colonel now. I guess you're making a little extra money in that paycheck. Is it $539.50 more? Oh, wait, that doesn't mean anything to you yet. Never mind. We'll get there. (laughs) I love that they gave him such, such, I don't know, such depth of character, right? That he brought this in for so long, knowing that he was supposed to become a general and meet them and guide them and all of it. It just, I don't know, that was such a fun moment. You know, I I will say, though, I I, I like the way General Hammond was played in this, because for a lot of it, he was very much like a dad who says, "Okay, I know you've got to go through this. I know this is coming. I know this is going to happen. I know it's going to work out. But he still he still very much felt like a dad to me in this towards SG1. Of course, there's they're going, what's with you? You know, (laughs) why are you acting so weird? Technicians. The gay technician is like, don't we want to look for them? They're missing. And he's like, nope, they got to find their way home on this one. It's like, well, that's nice. Why don't we do that every time? Yeah. Yeah, Just send SG5 to go do the work that SG1 couldn't do because they're messing with my my history. That's all right. So I have to ask because I've not looked it up yet. Do we get to see young General Hammond again? Ah. No. That's a shame because the actor did so well. Well, I think the actor comes back. Yeah. Right. But not. I think as you're right. Yep. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We... Hmm. He also appears in a few Hallmark movies. If you want to <laughs> jump, jump over there. <laughs> nice. Oh, and the new Lost in Space show, too. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Major, Major Kearney. Yeah. So, oh, he's Major Kearney. Cool. <laughs> okay. Um. Or. No, I was thinking of somebody else. Sorry, <laughs> but um, lockdown episode. I thought he was like the uh, like the lawyer guy from one of the episodes, but that's that was somebody else. Nice. Never mind. <laughs> oh, and Carter really needs to put some bacitration or something on her hand because it's looking very infected. Oh boy! <laughs> and I was my head cannon for that is that's the that's when the people on the um, one false stuff planet cut her with uh, her own knife. Mm. And she's like, "Ah, oh, my hand's cut." So that's that's where I think she got the cut. On the and that might explain why hand. it's so horribly infected too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she was cut on the bottom of the hand, but I don't know. You know, where's Doctor Fraser? All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the stitches, it was like it was like Frankenstein well, they, stitched they, together or something. I mean, maybe they weren't even stitches; they were just tape. You know, just medical. Okay, tape. so they were like stereo strips or something. Yeah, <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, so what do you yeah. think about Cassie? Oh yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It felt... We're all like, Meh. yeah. <laughs> it was. It was such a. They needed somebody. Yeah, yeah. it was such a, a. I don't know. It was such a strange scene. I, I I do have kind of a rant about that though. It's like, okay, they've got to go through the Stargate at an exact moment. But they don't all go in the Stargate at the same time. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, how how does that work? But but it was just like, yeah, it, nah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and it's like they needed somebody. And, and she, since she's a kid in the you know 90s, it, may, it would make sense. But I was disappointed that the gate room looks the same in, let's say, 2039. Except really yeah. cool lighting along it does the... In night- Oh, did it have different lighting? It had like it, it neon didn't... lights along the, oh, the track okay. instead, oh, okay. instead of the, the fluorescent oh, okay. well, bolts. That's fine then. Well, it kind of made me wonder. So what is Cassie 
Cassandra? What is she doing, allegedly, in 2039 or whatever? And why is no one else there? And they just let her in. And, you know, it just it started to be all these questions, which maybe there's a cool story there. Maybe that's part of the spinoff or if they if we get new shows, maybe Cassandra is uh, in the military or working with the Stargate project now. That would be super cool. <laughs> it looked like she was that dressed would. up for like a Jane Eyre novel, though. So. Yeah. yeah, and pajamas. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know how Although, it is. Like the Jetsons, they project 2022. And, I mean, you know, all these shows project the future as flying cars and coolness. And we're still kind of. It's closer to Soylent Green than the Jetsons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but she does have that magic bangle thing that, that apparently can activate any Stargate and send somebody to any time they want. So That's she cool. could conceivably be from hundreds of years in the future. And oh. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she's an, that would be interesting. Maybe she's an ancient now. It's oh yeah. Just her, then she uh, wouldn't. Her Apple Watch series twenty three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that works. It was one of the bugs. It, <laughs> it accidentally activates all Stargates within a five thousand meter radius or yeah. something. But yeah, it would have been cool if it was like one of uh, General Hammond's grandkids or something. Yeah. Like I'm mm-hmm. Kayla Hammond or, you know, and I'm now the general of Stargate land. And yeah. <laughs> my grandfather told me all about this. Yeah. Or something. That, but they just, <laughs> that section just felt so tacked on. Like it didn't do, it didn't tie narratively into anything else in the episode. I feel like they should have just gone straight back. Mm. You think maybe they were well, short on time. And so they quickly snuck some filler. I don't know. I feel like it's it was, like they were, the, it's like all the adaptations of H.G. Wells' The Time Machine, where they try to get back to the right time or something, but they go back to, like, the beginning of the universe or the end of the world or something by mistake. And so you, I guess in any time travel thing, you need to have, like, time traveler messes up and overshoots the mark or something before getting home. Hmm. I guess. it felt. And then they got to have the line about your adventure is only beginning. Right. It's like. Yeah, we're like 48 episodes into this at this point, so thanks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> our adventure's been going on just fine for a yeah, while now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they want a break. Okay. I've yeah. One time travel kind of complaint mm-hmm. that was brought up by my 15-year-old, not me. Okay, so her issue is, in this episode, Carter's all like, don't change history, don't talk, don't whatever, which is what is usual, mm-hmm. right, when you time travel. Allegedly, I haven't personally time traveled yet, but that's what I hear. Don't mess up your timeline. But if we're going to fast forward to season whatever with 2010, what do they do? They're all about messing up their timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That- and then you fast forward to season eight, go to Moebis, Moebis, however you say that. Yeah. They totally changed the timeline. <laughs> so. It's all cool when it affects them personally. This is my 15-year-old's rant now. But but we're not supposed to do it when they're okay on their timeline. They don't want to mess up their own timeline. But if it's already messed up and it affects them, then let's go fix it. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah the, pretty much. That's the same <laughs> argument that people yeah. have against like Back to the Future is that Marty McFly is just acting in very, very... He acts very selfishly throughout the whole story and basically ends up benefiting from like all this stuff that happens. Oh, yeah. Same yeah. kind of thing. 
his life after at the end of the movie was much better than his life at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. It's like it's like any fairy tale, like Jack of the Beanstalk, right? Jack goes up, gets the golden goose, totally destroys the economy of his village by passing around <laughs> golden eggs. You know, the price of milk and the price of milk skyrockets to like one golden egg. No one else can afford milk. You know, it's I haven't heard that. Fairy yeah. Tale. <laughs> no, think about it. Like. <laughs> But yeah, no, Jack completely just benefits himself. And it's it's like that in a lot of uh, yeah. <laughs> fairy tales. Yeah, It's also like in Star Trek where they're very high and mighty about their prime directive and all their ideals until it's affecting one of them. And then they're kind of like, oh, we'll we'll fudge it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> no one's looking. <laughs> yeah, but it was. Uh... Oh, but isn't that like when in Voyager, when, uh, you know, the time police guy tries to destroy Voyager and winds up sending the, do they go back to 1969 as well? And that's where Ed Bagley Jr. Like it's the idea for all of his technology. Something that, like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. He so it's very back similar in to that. Time to like the sixties and they go back in time to 1995 or. Yeah. Yeah. And meet Sarah Silverman and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. That was a good year. Antics. 95. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, did, uh, That's neither here nor there. Yeah. yeah. Do y'all have any other uh, thoughts on this episode? So, Tilk learns how to drive in this episode, oh, yeah. but it doesn't. Yeah, it true. doesn't say anything in the episode that he does. But later on in season six, uh, he tells uh, Jonas Quinn, who's the my, uh, Daniel Jackson replacement for the season. Um, <laughs> I like Jonas, but that's really what he was. Uh, that. I like Jonas but too. Til- mm-hmm. I think season six can stand against any, oh, any yeah. of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. But but Jonas asked asked Tilk, who taught you to drive? Of course, Tilk, Daniel Jackson. When? Yeah. I believe the year was nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. So this is when Tilk learns how to drive is driving that old bus. Yeah. yeah. And you could see uh you could see Daniel like reaching for the shifter and like looking very nervous because <laughs> he's like, is what's Tilk doing with the clutch or whatever? But yeah, so you know, and then Tilk looks over at him. So it's just like one little moment that, uh, you know, just without any dialogue that just says a lot. Nice. I like that yeah. they uh, they tie that in. Like, that's good. Uh, mm-hmm. Attentiveness to continuity. Oh, yeah. I learned to drive in a 15 passenger van. So I feel like I, I kind of understand oh. that, but probably not anywhere. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. 1984 kind of line here. Yep. <laughs> Some brave parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 91 Ford F-150 with the stick shift. That work? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anything with the, you know, body and long frame, yep. V8, five speed, too much power. Actually, not even V8. Yeah. It was a V. It was a inline six. Oh no! <laughs> but it still had the five speed. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That was our episode of Secrets of Car Talk. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Don't drive like my brother. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. This this episode just has lots and lots of fun. Laugh at yourself. We didn't even talk about half of the, um, the funny zingers. Oh, yeah. We talked about half of them. Okay, half of them. We got a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the got a bunch of them. And but I like I or the or the Victor who said at the beginning that they they keep it light. They don't make it too serious. They don't try to, you know, hit you over the head with anything. I like that. It's a good mm. good episode to watch mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. Plus, plus we learned that in 1969 they're they're storing the Stargate upright instead of flat. Yeah like they do in area oh. 51 later on. And so I, that, that sequence, I mean, realistic or, or not, but I really like them going up the sides of the crate and unlatching yeah. it. 
And then the the front of the crate just falls down to make a ramp and stuff. And there's like the Stargate. Yep. I thought that was really cool and effective. It had a very Indiana Jones type feeling well, to I it. Well, I mean, there, there were top you know? men observing it. Top. <laughs> oh, yeah, men. definitely. Did you use air yeah. quotes when you said that? Yeah. <laughs> and then yes. the, the guards run in with their little 38 special revolvers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying, yes. to, trying to stop them. I was going to say, is that the same warehouse where the Ark of the Covenant is stored? Maybe they could have used that to power the Stargate. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Vich Armory. <laughs> it has some dark military purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it says, it's like, I think your accent's about as good as Daniel Jackson's. <laughs> oh, yeah, it couldn't be, couldn't be much that's, worse. That's the funny part. He's trying, yeah. to, he's trying to be German. Yeah. He sounded more French when he said military. Military. Military, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just doing that thing where you're trying to do like a foreign accent and it just kind of drifts between different bad versions of other accents. Yeah. It's blocked, yeah. <laughs> so you'll see, Dr. Jones, there's nothing you can possess that I cannot take away. <laughs> Maybe the all 23 languages in his head are just kind of yeah. <laughs> Maybe just... Well, I, th- I think we've talked this one yeah. out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. We have, some, uh, we have some feedback we can talk about, which is fun. Yes. Uh, Paul Leone on uh, YouTube comments on episode number 36, which was a matter of time. Says, a great special guest commenter. It was a fun episode, too. <laughs> I definitely agree. It's, uh, it's always nice yeah. to have, uh, no. have, have guests on the show. I will, I will pass that along to, to Ben. Yeah, that, was, yeah, that, definitely. Was that was fun. That was good. Good one. All right. And before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Sharon H, Pat M, Michael T, Father Jacob M, and Barbara J. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give, and be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. Find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting starquest to 66866. Send starquest to 66866. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Out of Mind. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. And groovy, I think, is the word. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Jack Berezini. And remember, where there's a will, there's an oar. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. (laughs) anyway i'm sorry but that just happens to be how i feel about it what do you think